Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, it's Mark Graben. Welcome to a bonus episode of the podcast for January 12th, 2024. Today is a conversation with Greg Jacobson, co-founder and CEO of Kinexus. We're going to be talking about an upcoming conference where he's a keynote speaker. I'm also going to be presenting. And we're also going to talk about uh, a, kind of the latest and greatest and some updates about the software company Kinexus that I am involved in. So to learn more and for links, look in the show notes, or you can go to leanblog.org slash Greg. Now that I think about it, it might be easier to look for the link in the show notes if you don't know how to spell Kinexus, but that's K-A-I-N-E-X-U-S. So leanblog.org slash Greg. And we are joined today by Greg Jacobson. He is the co-founder and CEO of Kinexus. He was previously a guest, and we, we, were, we were both dumbfounded by this before we started recording, 12 years ago in episode 149. He was also part of a team that was here for episode 361, um, Ask Docs Anything during the COVID era. Greg is also still a practicing emergency room physician. You may have heard Greg and I talking more recently in episode 31 of the My Favorite Mistake podcast, and and Greg and I regularly um, talk about continuous improvement in different episodes of our Kinexus Continuous Improvement podcast. So, Greg, welcome back here to the Lean Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for bringing back. I cannot believe that not only has it been uh, 12 years um, that I've been on the the podcast, but it means that our our relationship goes back that long. So yeah, um, it's a pretty remarkable uh, time to um, get to to know you and work with you. And thanks for bringing me back. Well, sure, and uh, I, I feel the same. And yeah, I mean, quick recap, and we're we're going to talk about two main things here today. One is the upcoming um, conference um, produced by the Society for Health Systems, the Healthcare Systems Process Improvement Conference. February 13th to 15th uh, in Atlanta. We'll come back and talk about that more. And we're all, Greg, we're going to do a little bit of an update um, about Kinexus. But the long story short of it is, you know, Greg and I met in uh, February of 2011, and I uh, became part of the team at Kinexus in June of that year. And my, my role has evolved and changed uh, as, as the company uh, has grown. But I like to say it's a part-time role, full-time belief in the company. So Greg, we're still here. The company's growing and we'll, we'll, we'll come back and talk about that, but uh, congratulations and thank you for all of that progress. Well, uh, thank you for the, for the call out on that. And I love when you say part-time role, full-time belief. So uh, that's uh, lovely to hear. Yeah. Um, So again, about the conference and we're talking about this because Greg is, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Greg is one of the three keynote speakers this year, again, that's a Healthcare Systems Process Improvement Conference. Um, there's a link in the show notes. Um, we're going to give a preview of, of Greg's talk today. This is a conference I attend almost every year, and I have going back to probably 2006. It's part of the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers. So that is my home professional organization, and the Society for Health Systems is uh, part of that. Uh, I am going to be giving a uh, leading facilitating what they call an intensive session. Um, So I believe it's a 90-minute session, interactive session, 
um, a lot of conversation and discussion in the room about psychological safety and continuous improvement. Um, but, but Greg, I'm excited you're going to be there. Tell us, you know, give us a little bit of a, a preview of the topic and, and what you're going to be sharing in your keynote. Yeah, so I have been really fascinated with habit and habit science now for, I mean, we've been probably talking about it for seven, eight years. I mean, really with, with Duhigg's Power of Habit um, was my, my primer, my introduction to the idea that habit formation is not something that happens by accident, um, or it's not something that necessarily has to happen by accident. It's something that happens by accident a lot of the time when people aren't intentional about either removing bad habits or adding good habits. And it's been a, a really meaningful part of my professional career, my personal um, development. And uh, I think the the success of Kinexus, I mean, we, we teach these concepts um, in personal productivity. And then as time went on, we, um, James Clear came out with his book, Atomic Habits. Mm-hmm. And it, it became uh, apparent to me that, that wait a minute, the, this, this habit literature and habit formation does not need to just be thought of on the personal level. And, and all, I mean, every book talks about it being on an organizational level, but it's usually a small minor part. Maybe it's a chapter, maybe it's a part of a chapter. And so we here at Kinexus have just gotten, um, you know, really passionate about how can we use habit science to create the the behaviors that we're looking for that will foster a culture of continuous improvement. Mm-hmm. And so we added um, Fogg's book, Tiny Habits, and really synthesized that information to be consumable um, to uh, someone in a, you know, uh, 45 minute hour format. There's, there's also, we've done um, talks and stretched it out um, and added a lot more content, but um, I'm looking forward to, to presenting about that and hopefully just getting the juices flowing for people to realize that um, behavior creation um, can be intentional. Um, it reminds me that when I say behavior creation being intentional is that we've also added a, um, a book into kind of the Kinexicon, um, Kinexus uh, um, lexicon um, called Critical Influence. Um, the, the primary or the first author on that is um, Grenny, and I highly recommend it. Prior uh, editions of that book were called Influencer, and I think they, oh, they changed it. In the, yes. Yeah, they've changed it in the third edition because Influencer and social media means something a little bit different than what he's talking about, but just really intentional leadership of, of changing behaviors. And so I'm I'm really excited. The, the, this has really resonated with, with people um, in general, it, it, it applies way beyond um, Kinexus software, and uh, I think it's incredibly applicable to what we're trying to accomplish in healthcare, spreading continuous improvement. Yeah, and um, I'll put a link, by the way, or links to those three webinars that Greg did with Morgan Wright, uh, one of our colleagues from Kinexus for that really like, I don't know, super deep dive into all of this. Um I know you're going to share a lot of this in the keynote and it's out there in the webinars for people who, who can't come and attend um, the conference. We hope people will, because there's, there's a lot to learn, a lot of great activities and, and learning there. Um, but let, let me throw a question at you, Greg, um, and tell me if this is, in your view, kind of a myth. Like we hear a lot, 
I think even going back to Benjamin Franklin, some variation of a phrase like it takes 21 days to build a habit. But I know from learning from what you've taught, this is a leading question, but it, it, it seems like it takes more than just doing something for 21 days straight, right? Yeah, I think that uh, I, I love little axioms like that because there's probably um, some bit of wisdom. And I think the w- bit of wisdom that I would take is that you know, habits aren't going to be just doing something one time and that they're going to um, simply change your behavior. So the I think um, habits are on a spectrum and I think people can um, um, gain strength of a habit and then uh, weakness of a habit. And I think there's a lot of things that can influence whether or not you, you keep up with a habit. But I don't know if there's a certain duration of time that I would say, oh, if you do this for X number of days, then you're certainly going to do it for the rest of your life because you can just simply um, change um, your identity. You can change your desires. You can change your environment. Um, and uh, there's only 24 hours in a day. So um, it might be a prioritization um, issue as well. So there, there is a, a lot to think about when you're thinking about habit formation. And uh, I, I think though I'll say it's a lot simpler than um, one would imagine. So, yeah. And I think there's a lot of application of this, these lessons about building and sustaining habits that could apply in the realm of lean. You look what organizations are doing. um, The phrase daily comes in a lot, like lean daily management, daily huddles. Yeah. I had somebody ask me once, how often should we do our daily huddles? I'm like, well, I mean, you you could do them daily, or I mean, right. you, if it yeah, I don't know. Like it reminds me of going to the to the cruise ship information desk and saying, "What is the altitude that we're at?" Um, you know, <laughs> well, probably sea level. Yeah, but um, but you know, to make something a daily habit um, can be difficult. Whether it's in the realm of lean, I, I always come back to a personal example because something I'm going to do later today is 30 minutes of yoga and stretching and that's beneficial. And I know like, I, I want to do it. I need to do it. And ideally that would be a daily practice. I've had months and you know, my yoga app tracks it at least once, maybe twice. I did all 30 or 31 days of a given month, but I think that maybe proves that the axiom is somewhat true. Like it, it wasn't automatic. I mean, it was incorrect encouraging and reinforcing to do yoga for 30 days in a row, but you know, it's, it's still a pretty good habit beyond that. But I try to build in uh, like, you know, cues, right. That's one of right. the keys to building and sustaining a habit that you talk about. Right. So you're, you're touching on what uh, um, they did. Neither of them invented these concepts, but I think they uh, made these concepts a little bit more tangible for the non-academicians, the, the habit loop. Now, Duhigg's is a a three-step habit loop and and Clear's is a four-step habit loop. I I personally am a a simple-minded person, so I like fewer steps. And and the habit loop is really the idea that um, you're going to first have a cue. um, That's going to trigger a routine. And then it's really important that that routine um, have some type of reward that is meaningful um, yeah. To you, and I say meaningful, probably an emotional, but also in really a biologic sense that it that it tickles, that it triggers, that it engages the dopaminergic system, and that will help 
when the next time you see that cue, you'll again do that routine. And so, so let's talk about um, you know daily a daily management um, um, situation where you're trying to do a daily huddle. So, but what what is the cue for that? Right. Some of, some of the best cues are location and time. So it might be at when we're at this place at nine o'clock, we are going to do this routine where we're going to talk through these three, five, seven topics. And um, but make sure you're building a, an, a reward there um, for for that group um, and to make sure that the next time, uh, the next day, hopefully that comes along, you do that. So. For your for your yoga um, example, I would make sure it's it's definitely on the calendar. I would make sure like you, you have a plan like at ten o'clock I am going to to do this and that you've set your environment up to be successful. You yeah. you've got you know your yoga clothes, you've got your yoga mat or whatever the things are that you do. You, you, oh, you can't see it. The yoga mat is behind me actually right here. But yeah, and and I would I would also um, venture to say that. Maybe don't start with thirty minutes. You know, maybe maybe start with five minutes of yoga, and and build. From I, there. I, I did start shorter. I think I oh, did good. twenty, yeah. and now yeah. I've, I've built up to thirty. And but the and, and part of that reward is you know my lower back <laughs> feels so much better. Um, so there there's positive physical reward, and I'm trying to build in you know more positive mental reward, and 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 think about yoga as something I get to do as opposed to something I have to do and, right. and trying to enjoy and then you know, being present and what have you. But um, for some reason the other day, something popped into my head, you know, when I was done with uh, the yoga. I kind of in my head said, good job. And then, oh, that's another, that was another kind of reward. I'm like, I'd like yeah. to make that a habit too, of that reinforcement. I'm not perfect at yoga, but it's good that I did it. I tried. Yeah. And I think that, that, um, you're, you're articulating an example that was even discussed in the book that if there's not an obvious reward, you can literally create your own reward, which is what you did. Um, you could also you text your wife, hey, just want to let you know I just finished my and, and she's going to give you a thumbs up or a heart or go nice job. Maybe you have a, an accountability partner that yeah. you're, you're doing that. Hey, just finished my yoga session. So mm-hmm. those are all. Those are all things that if you create these things and you have been a little bit thoughtful in how you're going to do it, all simple things. This is not complex, you know, quadratic equations or um, this is not rocket science, as they say. These are simple things. Doesn't mean they're easy to do necessarily. But if you're aware and you're mindful and you're intentional about it, your success rate is going to be um, much higher. And then. And and I know we're just doing a little bit of a primer. We'll we'll dive into all these things more in the keynote and yeah. um and they're in the, the webinars that we mentioned. But um, having the identity of you know oh I've I'm a person I'm a daily yoga practitioner. That's a very different statement than oh I'm trying to do yoga every day um, and start a habit of that. And there's some growth mindset language there, right? I'm somebody who practices yoga as opposed to saying I'm good at yoga, which I mean that. That would be oh, more, that's great. Fixed, yes. more yeah. the fixed mindset, right? I am a person who practices yoga. Right. And so when you self-identify as, as that, then all of a sudden, all your micro decisions are made for you. And in, in, in the case of, uh, of uh, yoga, there's probably only two micro decisions for the day is, is it 
do I have a plan for when I'm going to do it that day? And then um, if, when, when that plan comes up, am I going to do it or not? Right. And so if you self-identify as, well, I'm a person that practices yoga uh, or I'm a person that practices daily yoga. When that time comes up, what is the decision that someone that identifies as that? Well, obviously you're going to get down and do your yoga. Um, yeah. So, which, which applies also to an organization, right? If a CEO, right. Right. Um, if she says to the organization, we are a continuous improvement organization that does um, daily management, that collects ideas from the frontline staff, that has a strategy uh, deployment um, discipline, well, <laughs> that's just what we do um, yeah. versus, oh, well, we're trying to, to do a um, idea program. And, you know, those cues, maybe as a final thought on this, could include leaders have, you know, uh, on their tablet or they printed out their leader standard work sheet for the week. It could be their calendar, um, you know, that that cue that helps prompt the action of what habit they're building and working on. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is in. Um, let's say we're let's let's continue to pick on the executive there for that for that leader standard work. Um, I was talking to the COO of a very large electronics company, okay? Because um, and I just wanted to set that. And so uh, there we have concepts. I mean, kind of excess of badges and and habits. And um, um, the, the first thing that came out of his mouth was um, was a a. a, a piece of a, a, a product enhancement, a piece of feedback on the product that related to him losing a streak in, in <laughs> Kinexus related to a badge. That was the first thing that came out of his mouth. So um, do not underestimate the, uh, the impact of, um, of congratulating people when, oh, you've done your leader standard work you know, every day for the last week or every week for the last month. I mean, those are, those are things that need to be built in and built in intentionally to create that reward and to call those out and uh, make sure your system has a way to measure that. So, you know, who needs help and, and, and who to congratulate. Yeah. And um, those are all going to be part of the kind of the intentional and the system design that you're going to build to ensure that your organization is creating the right habits. So let's let's segue to talk about Kinexus, the company and the software platform. There are a lot of people out there who have a daily habit of logging in to Kinexus and um, using using the system. So um, I think Kinexus, I know Kinexus is much more well known than 12 years ago with the growth <laughs> and the spread of the company. But let's not assume people know what Kinexus does and what yeah, platform yeah. it's for. So I, I, you probably get asked all the time, what's your ele elevator pitch story yeah, so we, um, about Kinexus? Kinexus is a continuous improvement software platform where we're used by organizations that believe everybody should have the opportunity to participate in every day. And so we are working with large organizations that are doing some form of bottom-up um, idea collection, issue collection, and not only just collecting it, but processing it all the way to causing um, improvement at an organization, um, helping organizations do their, their, their lean-focused project management work, whether it's uh, you know, DMAIC or PDSA or, 
or A3s, um, organizations that are, are doing um, strategy deployment, um, Hoshin work that um, has maybe cascading goals or needs to, to, to be some alignment. And then, you know, the final kind of group of use cases relate to process-based work, whether that's leader standard work or, or rounding or um, some kind of incident um, a collection and evaluation. And uh, we have uh, grown a lot from 2012. If you listen to this in 2012, yeah. it would have probably just been you know, a, a Kaizen suggestion system. I think that's what right. we really started at and have right. just evolved and, um, and really found uh, that we add the most value and people get the most value from us in really scaled enterprise, large organizations. So if you're a team of 100 people or less, um, we, we could add value. It's just typically not the direction you're going to go. You're going to use something kind of off the shelf um, that needs a little configuration. But if you're into the hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of um, people, then we really shine. Yeah. And since 2012, like you said, Greg, it's become a much broader platform of various modes of improvement, um, not just, and not, right. we're, neither of us are being dismissive, if I would say not just employee suggestions, because that is so key and critical, but, you know, people are managing Kaizen events, A3s, Toyota Kato work, all kind, you know, all kinds of lean or Six Sigma or whatever they're calling it, methodology, strategy, deployment, like it's really become a very robust management system. Yeah, and I yeah. think that, some of the biggest changes are one in 2012, we were just healthcare. Yes. And we had people continue to reach out to us like, why are y'all only talking about healthcare? These are manufacturing, automotive improvement principles. And, and so we made the decision to do a mini pivot and make our product industry agnostic. Mm-hmm. And as people kept reaching out to us and saying, Oh, but we want to do a threes or, Oh, but we want to do our X matrix or, mm-hmm. Oh, but we want to do a PDSA format. And so we um, are very uh, keen on being um, um, a process agnostic um, discipline as agnostic, as long as you're in the continuous improvement realm. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so now we have more non-healthcare customers than healthcare customers. And we do uh, lots more with regard to that. And, it's been fun adding in all the ha- the habit science has been slowly infiltrating Kinexus and, and really trying to um, allow behavior change to happen a lot easier and be facilitated by by technology. So yeah, yeah, and and there there are certain key principles that I think are still really rock solid within um, Kinexus. You know, one is the idea. Um, kind of elaborate on what you've touched on is that um, technology is not a silver bullet, right? You need technology, methodology, and leadership behaviors. And some of the words around that change over time, but that, that's been really consistent. And I, I, I think reinforced over time, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, this is not a, a black box technology. This is not something you can just plug into the corner, um, like an air filter, let's say, and it'll just, you know, clean the air. It, this is something that um, is going to decrease the threshold um, for the amount of effort a uh, executive leader, senior leader, or local leader needs to um, expand in doing it. It, it creates a infrastructure to, to do the methodology in a, a standard way that kind of everyone agrees on. And then, of course, um, it allows a, a, a CI team not to have to go build something internally. And so um, what we've seen is um, that when 
people were doing it on Excel and SharePoint, and then they move over to Kinexus, there's a kind of this explosion of, uh, of improvement potential that, that gets actualized. And so they're really able to articulate the impact and articulate the value. And they're really able to um, um, tap into the intrinsic motivation of the front line um, yeah. um, that exists. Um, that, that, you know, sometimes they didn't feel like they had an outlet or a, a way to participate in an improvement. So it's been, it's been uh, very rewarding. It's uh, become my life's work. Um, and uh, I think we're, we're one having fun, but um, more importantly, we're, we're helping people's lives and, and, and organizations to meet their business goals better. So, yeah. And there, there's, you know, a, a couple of elements of the Kinexus platform. Like I'm, I'm sure people aren't, assuming that it somehow automates improvement because it, it doesn't, but it can automate some communications, some notifications and Remind. reminders and things like that. But then the, the other thing that's been so exciting to see over time is the tabulation of impact, yeah. both qualitative and quantitative. People can see that executives love seeing the, the reports on uh, just not just the activity, but the impact and then collectively across all customers, I, I know we published this on, on the website, but Greg sends out, he calls it his favorite email of the month. It's my favorite email to receive with those, those numbers, um, the financial impact number self-reported and validated right. by our different customers is over. It's in the six to 7 billion, um, hundreds of millions of saved hours, um, Hundreds of thousands of, yeah, hundreds of thousands of safety improvements and quality yeah. improvements and satisfaction improvements. So it's, um, it's it just reminds us why we why we why we get out of bed in the morning and, and continue to um, work on this. Um, it's just it's fun to see that. I mean, we, we've talked about this before, Mark. It, there's nothing inherently valuable in lean, <laughs> right? And um, there's no there's no action in there. Um, the <clears throat> The, the value in, in, of lean, in, say, in the principles, right? In the principles of lean, exactly. The, principles the, principles. the value comes from practicing it and either right. creating an impact for the business, for the people that work at the business, for the customers that um, get benefit from the business. Um, it's uh, from the, the individuals from a from a self value standpoint that when you walk into to work, saying, "Do I matter?" Do my opinions matter? And 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 when when I go home and I know that I was valued at work, I'm going to treat the people better at um, at home and be more present. That it's just the so it's 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 the it's the side effect of doing right. There's no there's no probably inherent value in in running right. You you run in a circle. You end up right back where you started. Um, but the the benefit is that you you know, you're, you're, you're healthier and you get the endorphins and those are the side effect. And so that's kind of what I mean. And that's why I think that email makes most, the most sense because it's probably the closest thing we have to all the individual stories of, you know, someone, um, a driver or a nurse or a doctor or, um, a line person saying, Oh yeah, man, this used to frustrate me or we used to get an injury every month related to this or, you know, now I can spend my time doing something far more valuable than in this kind of repetitive task. Um, so those yeah. are the um, the real benefits and the value of, of lean and continuous improvement. Yeah. And I think one other thing that's changed over 12 years, the last um, 10 years, is the level of acceptance of using a platform, of using right. software 
to manage continuous improvement. Going back to 2011, 2012, a lot of people were still being, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say this and I'll, I'll say it, I'll try to be constructive or fact-based, but a lot of people really just shot down technology. of Like, oh, my sensei taught me to do everything manually and pencil and paper. And uh, that, that's a whole different long discussion. But to, you've already touched on this, Greg. People are already using technology. Right. And then the question is, homegrown, cobbled together, easily breakable, not so scalable, or you know, a platform like Kinexus. It's really right. more of like, which technology? Wouldn't you? Leading question, but what, what would you say on all of that? Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with, um, I think technology in the aughts and in the early teens were, they, they, they forced you to change your improvement process because of the way the technology was built. And so um, it's, an, it's an area that we're um, really cognizant of to make sure that it's configurable to meet the, um, our, our customers' processes. So the first step isn't, oh, well, here's our default way we do um, idea collection. Um, and we have a, a couple of different you know, configuration tweaks, but the first step is like, how do you do it? Let's draw a process map and, and see how does that work at um, a company A, B, and C, and then figuring out, okay, so this is, this is your ideal state. Everyone agrees that this is the ideal state. Well, let's configure the technology to do that. And then when, when it changes, because the organization changes in a month, a year, then you can configure the technology to support that. So I think the technology needs to be a slave to the process, to the people. It shouldn't be the other way around. Yeah. So maybe a final question before we wrap up, Greg. Um, one thing I appreciate about your leadership and other senior leaders at Kinexus is the focus on people and culture, right? It's a technology company, but you know, I, I know we agree it is driven by people and we have great people at Kinexus and, and, and a culture where we aim to let those people shine and, and, and thrive. And, you know, we had a chance to explore this through, um, you know, the inclusion of stories from Kinexus that I put into my book, The Mistakes That Make Us, around a culture of participation and improvement and, and psychological safety. What are your thoughts in a nutshell about the culture at Kinexus and being intentional about. So I, I great question. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to answer it with going through what our values and traits are, um, but I'll, I'll answer it with when we realized we needed to figure out what they were. And it was probably yeah. about five years ago. We had crossed maybe the 20 person mark or 15 person mark so, somewhere in the, the point that it started to become where the, the, the co-founder, you know, Matt and I and, and Jeff and Adam and Maggie, who were um, the, the first uh, um, executive leaders, weren't interacting with everybody every day. And so right. it became, became apparent that we needed to figure out what has made us successful to this point, because as we're going to get bigger, people are going to need a framework to make decisions, to figure out how they should behave, to figure out when people are doing the right behaviors. And so we, we sat down um, only then. So, you know, five, six years into um, our journey to figure that out. We, we didn't do that at the beginning. Um, and uh, so I think that's important to, to be self-reflective and figure out what are the things that we do that, that have created the most success in our organization and then really manage and make decisions and uh, around those. 
um, and, and constantly bring those back up and say, oh, well, let's make this decision because it, it, it you know, exemplifies this value or this trait. And, and we hire for that. I mean, just, just before this call uh, or before recording this podcast, um, I was on a call where we were interviewing mm-hmm. and um, we hire and we're looking for these things in people because we know if these people exemplify these things, mm-hmm. um, they're going to be successful at kind access. Yeah. And so I, I think that's, that's really important to um, as leaders are thinking about what is their role in their organization. It's important to one, make sure that they've established those things, but then it's important for them to continue to articulate and repeat those and then to make decisions based on them and explain why at least they believe and then have debates and conversations about the way everyone believes, but in the context of those values and traits, because uh, yeah. that's really what, what defines a culture. Um, um, Seth Godin says it best when he says people like us do things like this. And mm-hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you for, for that. Space, yeah. Mark. yeah. And I will put links in the show notes. There is a fantastic video um, that Greg and, and Jeff Roussel, our chief uh, revenue officer put together about um, these values and traits at Kinexus. I'll link to that. The audio is going to be available soon in the Kinexus podcast feed actually. And then I'll also link on the Kinexus blog, um, I did put together an excerpt from the book, um, some of these stories about the Kinexus culture. And maybe, you know, last question real quick before we both have to go. Your thoughts on, you know, the importance of an environment and a culture where we can learn from mistakes. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think that um, learning from mistakes is at the, the root of continuous improvement. It's, it's the realization that, um, there could be a better way in, in us kind of opening our minds and, and realizing that we are not defined by our last mistake. We're, we're actually defined by um, what we did with learning from our last mistake. And so I just think the work you're, you're doing in collecting those stories and, and putting that um, the mistakes that make us um, is, is such a um, such a valuable contribution. So thank you, Mark, for for um for doing that work but um that's that's kind of the way i look at it and um i uh make mistakes every day and uh and and so love to I. highlight them um not because uh, uh um, i love making mistakes but because i love learning from mistakes and i want other people to learn from my mistakes as well so. that's a perfect note to end things on so again we've been joined today greg jacobson co-founder and ceo at kinexus uh, come join me and Greg at the Healthcare Systems Process Improvement Conference, February 13th to 15th um, in, well, near uh, Atlanta. So um, looking forward to that and hope a lot of people will be able to join us. Greg, thanks so much. And let's make sure it's not another 12 years before we do another episode. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.